When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Reckless speculation. You want reckless speculation? You know this ain't gonna happen. How about reckless trade speculation? Yeah, it is. It's this is this is like peak reckless speculation Thursday because this is the the third the first Thursday of the NFL league year mm-hmm. for those of you who celebrate. And the Vikings are still trying to figure out what they're doing. We're trying to figure out what the Vikings are doing. Uh, so we bring in our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson from the Five Eyewitness News Sports Department and the Scoop Podcast. Inside information about your favorite Minnesota sports teams. The news broke this morning that they have indeed converted. Uh, I think it was, didn't they convert part of Harrison Smith's or Harrison Smith's roster bonus to a signing bonus? They clear $6 million in cap space for this year. Daniil Hunter, they got to make a decision on his contract here. They haven't made any offensive line splashy moves yet. So I guess, Doogie, what are the Vikings doing? Hello, gentlemen. Happy St. Patrick's Day. More importantly for us, I don't have a sliver of Irish blood in me, although I will have an adult beverage or two (laughs) later today. My TV work ramps up tomorrow. I'm good today. But more importantly for us, happy Reckless Speculation Thursday. Harrison Smith did not have to give the Vikings permission to make the move they did. So common sense always said that this move was going to happen. It is interesting how they continue to kick the can down the road. I get it. The salary cap will continue to go up in 23, in 24, in 25. But, like, at some point, you have to stop kicking the can down the road. And Rob Brzezinski is a brilliant capologist. But I'm wondering, like, what the heck are they doing in that regard? I'll give you an interesting angle on all this. I don't know if you guys have brought this up. We are starting to see the Chicago Bears hit the reset button. Look at all the moves the Bears have made. Yeah. Ryan Poles, Bears general manager. This is a little bit of conjecture, but Ryan Poles did not come here for that in-person interview, right? Something went sideways behind the scenes. I think we're starting to see that Ryan Poles wanted to strip this thing down here, that what he is executing in Chicago was something he was interested in doing here, and he was not going to get permission to do that here. Why? So it was an easy no when the Vikings said, please come to Egan for an in-person interview. Why? It was very easy for him to say, you know what? Chicago is great. You know, I'm 36, 37 years old. Yeah, maybe another opportunity would come down the road. But why not? The Bears want me as general manager. 
I am taking this Bears job. He would have taken the Giants job if they had offered it. He did have an in-person interview with the Giants. So he just he wanted to do something like this. We're seeing it in Chicago. So I'm just telling you, we can get to Daniil Hunter in a second, gentlemen. But I'm telling you, Ryan Poles is not the Vikings general manager. Again, conjecture. Uh, but I feel confident throwing it out there. This isn't necessarily reckless speculation that he was interested in tearing this thing down pretty good. And he was met with resistance in that regard. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna add to that report here. All right, this is I'll play the reckless speculation sounder, but okay. reckless speculation. But in in some of the conversations I've had to behind the scenes, so Quasi, unlike Ryan Poles, didn't have multiple suitors. Right? I mean, I mean, Poles has been a finalist multiple times over the last couple of years. You know, it's not like the Vikings were the only team. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but this, but you know, Quasi has had some little dabbles here and there, and his name has popped up. But like, it was either the Vikings or go back to your job in Cleveland. Absolutely, most likely, right? Yeah. So Not what most I had, Phil, that was it. Nobody else had Quasi as right. a finalist. So now, what maybe I somewhere down the road, maybe in a year, two, three, four, but not now. But yes. Yeah, so what I have heard, options. what I have heard is that Quasi essentially had to. And I don't. I wasn't in the room for these conversations, but the Wilfs had an idea of how they wanted to proceed forward. They did not want a full rebuild and a teardown. And so, even if Quasey felt like stripping it down to the studs for a minute, and you can rebuild fast in the NFL, even if Quasey felt like trading Kirk Cousins was the right move, which I believe he did feel that way, the Wilfs didn't want to go down that path. And so, if you're Quasey, you're in kind of a tough spot. And 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 some of this is conjecture, but. You are you're trying to appease the people that hired you and the things that you talked about in the interview process, but you're also trying to do right by the franchise and put them in the best position. And I think they're just caught they're caught in the median. They're caught in the middle here. That's the way I interpret it. What do you think? I agree. And they've been stuck in the median, at least record wise, for a really long time. They are stuck in middle purgatory. And we thought with a new regime, we would see that start to change. Maybe we eventually will. But so far, it's a lot of the same old stuff. Now, I'm on record saying you did not bring in a new regime just to roll back the status quo completely. So we've seen some change. We saw Michael Pierce released, even though they tried to rework his contract. They actually wanted to keep Michael Pierce. We may see more, right? We may see a Daniil Hunter trade. I do see Adam Thielen back, a reworked contract. I will be shocked. I'm just telling you. I don't say this lightly. I will be shocked if Adam Thielen is not back in purple, but I don't see Adam Thielen back under his current terms. But yeah, I will say that I foresaw, if you had asked me a couple weeks ago, I would have told you that I foresaw more changes than this. So if we were to rank um, the top five players on this roster currently, just your top five, Jefferson's probably one. He's great. Daniel Hunter certainly would fall, though, when healthy in that list. Like, like he's above Kirk for sure. There's no question. He's one of the best at his job when he is able to perform it. So that brings us to what I think is a very interesting situation unfolding at TCO right now. And it not only shows a problem with between a disconnect clearly between the Vikings and the Hunter camp, but it also shows 
what sort of feels like a very weird way to work things out, which is, so I, I'm with Phil. I think the Quasi wanted to explore trading Kirk. I agree I mean, on that. But there's At a least explore. There. Not yeah, necessarily it, married to the idea of right. I need to ship him out, but at least explore, yes. And the Cleveland scenario has been going on for months now. So, like, this is not new. It just got out that, that it's irreparable with Baker, but this has been an ongoing. So it's not like the Vikings. I mean, Quasi worked in Cleveland. He knew exactly what was going on there. Um, the Hunter thing to me, though, is the juxtaposition that's so interesting here when you look at the current situation. Because when you keep Kirk, you are saying, we're trying to win win right now. Now, I might not agree with that, doing that, but that's clearly the message. But then it's almost like the Wilfs or the people that got that laid on the train tracks for Kirk guys are saying, okay, we did that. The Hunter thing is yours now. And because if you turn around, and we, we had a discussion about this on Purple After Dark last night, at which we were just, and I still am, dumbfounded by what they are or aren't doing. If you trade Hunter, you're basically saying defensively, we're sort of out. Like, I hope we're good. But yeah. so that's where, that's where, Doogie, the whole Hunter thing to me gets to be incredibly interesting. Because if you were working as a cohesive um, executive, front office, owner, president, GM, right? You wouldn't divorce the conversations and say, okay, here's what we're doing with Kirk, but on Daniil, here's what we're going to, to do. Um, and the Hunter camp in itself, too, is a mess because these people just did a contract, and now we're back at the same thing. So it just feels like team-wise and, and player-wise, there is just a lot of dysfunction at work here. There's a few things to unpack there. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, Dalvin Cook, Eric Kendricks, also among the elite Vikings players. I find it interesting yeah. that Quasi's guy, Andrew Barry, is all in on Deshaun Watson. I did tell well, you guys last not, week that there are Deshaun Watson not anymore, not anymore as of five minutes ago. Okay, Deshaun, so that changed. Okay, Deshaun Watson has eliminated the Browns. That's, okay, that's but the they were update. interested. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't have the latest. That's yeah. great information, Phil. Thank you for that. Yeah. Not on Twitter as as we're doing this live. I can't multitask quite like that. But mm-hmm. Andrew Barry, that's pretty obvious. Interest in Deshaun Watson. So I find that part of it interesting, that that's Quasey's guy, or at least one of Quasey's guys. On Daniil. Here's what I believe to be true. He's okay playing in a 3-4. I've been saying that for a while. I continue to believe that. He wants more money. This goes back to the Joey Bosa contract extension with the Chargers. When you look at that Bosa contract, I know Daniil, his people looked at that and said, what the bleep? Daniil is a better player when healthy, of course, health is is a part of this equation, but it's a it's a huge part. If Joey Bosa is making that, how am I only making this? But yeah, what a moronic contract Daniil Hunter's agent did a couple years ago. That was as bad a contract as it gets. Huge win for Rob Brzezinski and the Vikings. But yes, I look at it and say Daniil wants more money, and the Vikings are looking at it saying, hmm. With the recent injury history, how would we even do this? 
But you're right. When when the Cousins contract news broke on Sunday, all signs pointed to, okay, the Vikings are all in on winning a Super Bowl here in 2022. So that's a contradiction, right? Like if you're all about winning a Super Bowl in 2022, you don't trade Daniil Hunter. Daniil Hunter is here as a Viking, but the conundrum is he wants more money. I do believe that, that that has come up. And I think that's where there's some steam now that, okay, the Vikings need to listen even more intently on some of these trade inquiries. Judd, you had the initial steam on, on Buffalo. Pretty obvious with them committing all that money to Von Miller that Buffalo was in the market for a pass rusher. Clearly, there are there are definitely some other teams interested in Daniil Hunter. Yeah. So to, to the point that you're making here and to, and to Judd's confusion, you know, I've, I've tried to unpack this since Purple After Dark last night on Purple Daily, that if we all believe... And I think I think most I think us and then most fans who are watching this believe that this roster is not as currently constructed ready to compete for a Super Bowl in 2022. I mean, I, 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 unless you are, you know, unless you're hosting a radio show on the flagship or something, and you know, you're rocking your purple from head to toe, like this team hasn't been above 500 in 800 days. And yet injuries happen. The Packers were ravaged by injuries. They still won 12, 13 games or whatever it was, right? So you can't just you can't just always hang your hat on, well, if everyone comes back healthy, well, every team deals with injuries. The the, the great teams have depth to overcome and still, you know, win 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 games. So would anyone disagree with my first point that this team as currently constructed is nowhere near Super Bowl contention even with a different head coach? I agree. I agree. Agreed? Yeah. I, I don't disagree agree there's no doubt but they are trying to spin at least behind the scenes this narrative that them missing the playoffs three of the last four years in large part is mike zimmer's fault and but I'm then okay, so, so but, but what the about the four years before that currently constructed especially now that tom brady is back in the nfc this roster yeah we all agree this roster is not good enough to make a deep january run by the way phil some of those hosts at least on the flagship station i'll tell you I don't know what they're spewing publicly, but let's just say this off mic. At least one, if not multiple, do not believe this roster is good enough to make a deep January run. Okay, so so they're lying to the audience. That's great. So okay, so if we all agree that you know, I'm no one saying this, it's a garbage team. I think we all think they're going to compete and maybe you know they could be a wild card team, but that's not the bar. The bar is Super Bowl. This franchise averages eight wins since the Wilfs took over. 60 years, no Super Bowl. So if, if the bar is Super Bowl, we all say it, it, they're definitely short of that bar. The roster is older now than it was a year ago. So to me, there are two options to, to dig yourself out of this mediocrity. You can continue to go all in, re-sign Kirk Cousins, which they did, bring back Daniel Hunter, cross your fingers on health, and then find other ways to improve the roster via trade or signing. The problem is signings and trades lead to veteran players that cost money, and they don't have a lot of money. Like they're a few million dollars under the cap. There's still some restructures they can do, but they don't have enough money to land impact free agents. The top eight guards in free agency and the top four centers are all off the board. And so, uh, you know, there's there's really nothing they can do in free agency. Did to JC really Treader move come off the board? Or is he? he not okay, he has not. Not counting JC Treader. He's okay. he's still available. So like, you, if you if you find a way to sign JC Treader and keep Daniel Hunter, okay, now we can now we can start to have a conversation. But to me, like the more logical move would be, okay, let's just let's take a deep breath here for a second. Let's uh, whatever happens in 2022 happens. 
but let's load up on cap space and draft capital for the next two years and open a new window in 2023. And, you know, nothing's preventing them from drafting a quarterback in 2023, but they just passed on. We don't know what the exact offers were, but they definitely turned down offers for Kirk Cousins. They haven't, maybe, unless I'm wrong, they haven't been shopping Adam Thielen or Eric Kendricks. Maybe they're starting to shop Daniel Hunter. But again, it's like, if you're going to re-sign Cousins, aren't you committing to competing for a Super Bowl in the next two years? And if you're not, why would you not collect all the draft capital and cap space that you can leading into 2023? I don't get it. I don't get it either. The Wilfs are well within their right, though, as owners to go down the path that they're going down. But I'm with you. I was very open-minded to stripping this thing down. And when you miss the playoffs three or four years, there are clear warts that I would have been okay hitting the reset button. I would have been okay trading Daniil Hunter, trading Kirk Cousins, stripping this thing down. Phil, I don't have any sense that Eric Kendricks has ever been shopped, that Adam Thielen has ever been shopped. So I see both those guys definitely back. But yeah, like I love the two quarterbacks at the top of the 2023 draft. No guarantees. I mean, you can try to hit the reset button, still find a way to win six or seven or eight games, and you're picking 10th, not second. But I love the kid from Alabama. I love the kid from Ohio State. So I was all about going down that path. But the Wilfs just aren't willing to do that. They've owned the team now 17 years. They're just There is no evidence to suggest they are ever willing to go down that path. Do we know, Dukes, because I, I think it's, um, it's apparent now, and you just broached this, and I haven't heard it talked about a lot, but I think it's worth exploring now. Um, do we know who exactly decided in that building that Zim was was the for lack of a better term, antichrist of coaching. Like, the, it, it's a very bizarre pivot to, like, and I get it. You know what? The last two years weren't great. Um, he didn't embrace Kirk, and yet he's Mike. He told you, I don't really like this one. So, like, it's not like a, if they're shocked, oh, my God, we thought that Zim and Kirk would work perfect, to, then they're dumb. But do we know who who pivoted from, Mike sort of lost his fastball to now everything was Mike's fault because, to me, that's an organizational blind spot that becomes very dangerous um, as far as knowing when the timing is to change to not just change things, but the direction like this whole thing of, well, Mike's gone. It's all fixed. That's a very bizarre and, and in my opinion, completely in- incorrect notion because Mike deserves, you know, some blame. Sure, he does. But he wasn't your only problem. That's a ridiculous, if that's the, the thought, and it certainly appears to be, that's a ridiculous thought. And and was he, four years ago, he wasn't viewed as a problem. He was viewed as one of the top six coaches in the NFL. Asset, so it's asset. like you, you can you can lose your fastball a little bit, but did he? are we really to believe that he was the cancer that prevented the Vikings from going to the NFC Championship game the last two years? I mean, did he did he have kind of a weird, bad relationship with Kirk? And is that a big deal? Yes. But, I mean, like, look at the top six highest-paid players on your team. You got a linebacker and a running back in there, and you got a bunch of dudes that are over their football hill, right? And so there's there's so many more things to Judd's point that go into this besides, oh, Mike Zimmer's gone, onward. <laughs> Zim predicted a lot of this 2018 combine. 
Yeah. He told my colleague Joe Schmidt in a sit down before week one last year, early September, that he did not trust beyond 25 to 26 guys on the 53-man roster. So Zim saw all this coming. Yes, does Zim deserve some blame? For sure. Did him and Kirk have a rocky relationship? 100%. But does Zim deserve all the blame? Heck no. Now we know, based on Deion Sanders' comments, that Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer, did not communicate the final couple months. I do know that when Rick Spielman walked into that room on Monday morning, January 10th, he thought he was going to be told, you're back in some capacity, but Mike Zimmer is being fired. I do wonder, mid-December, late December, the conversation Spielman had with the Wilfs, what was relayed about Zim. We know the Andrew Miller COO influence. You know, so there's some conjecture there, but I think, you know, uh, those would be two that I'd, I'd seriously wonder, especially Rick. Like, I just, I'd like to know what Rick, told the Wilfs when he's not communicating with Zim November, December, but he's still communicating with the Wilfs. I wonder what Rick was telling Mark and Ziggy. Mm. Man, I'm just, I'm just trying to think, like, what can happen in the next couple weeks that would get me to say, oh, okay, oh, okay. I would say keeping Daniil Hunter would be number one and landing via trade or via signing a J.C. Treader-level interior offensive lineman. I mean, if they if they ran if they're going to run this thing back, which again it's not the path I would have chosen, but if they're going to run it back with one of the top five centers in the NFL and get one of the top five edge rushers back fully healthy and have an offensive minded collaborative coach, all right, all right, I can see, I can see it. If you're going to trade Daniel Hunter and you're going to try and make it work with Garrett Bradbury and you're going to waste a full off season of you know potentially valuable trades that you could have made and just keep kicking the can down the road, then I don't know, man. I I mean, what if you take the Iowa center at pick 12? I think there's a decent chance he's on the board. That might be a bit aggressive, but what if you take the Iowa center at pick 12? They do have interest in Billy Turner. I'm not suggesting that Billy Turner is Brandon Sheriff. Trust me, the Vikings could have made Brandon Sheriff work. They would have loved to have the, the former... Washington Redskin, who's now in Jacksonville, but you look at the contract he got, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, Brandon Sheriff is now the highest paid guard in the National Football League. But yeah, he definitely, he definitely had interest in playing close to home unless somebody offered him $17 million yeah. a year. Yeah, in a state with no state income tax. So, yeah, they were never able to, to get into that mix. I mean, they had interest in Austin Corbett, but they were never able to enter that mix based on the contract. I believe he went to Carolina, that Carolina gave him. But there is interest in Billy Turner, the former Moundsview High School stud. Like, and I'm not again, I'm not suggesting Billy Turner is Brandon Sheriff, but if you put Billy Turner at right guard, if you drafted the Iowa center, are you feeling a little bit better about the interior of the offensive line? But you still have then you still have no cornerbacks, basically. Well, yeah, well, we haven't even gotten to the defense. Right, but I'm I'm just saying so so like yes, I feel yes. What you just said. Do I feel better about the offensive lines prospects? Absolutely. Do I feel good about the team? Absolutely not. Like that's where I just, I'm thoroughly confused because I can't get to a place where I can see the path or the blueprint to feeling good about the the team, which if you had moved on from Kirk, I'm fine with. 
I'd say, oh, I get what you're doing. Yeah, it's gonna, it's not gonna be fun for a year, but I get it. But that's the thing is, I like I'm trying to make common sense of what we are seeing and not seeing. And in certain places, Dukes, you're right. I can get to a place of okay, that makes sense. But there are so many gaping holes on this roster. Um, and and Ed Donatel's a good guy, and I covered him for two years, and he's pretty good at his job. But damn it, he is not a miracle worker, and that's what you're going to be asking him to do. And I don't think that that's fair. I just don't. I don't see how you stop teams with the defenses currently constructed. There are still a number of cornerbacks still on the board, including guys that Donatel has a connection to, Fuller, Callahan. You know, they have spoken with Patrick Peterson's representative about a possible reunion. I was told no on Casey Hayward. There was a national report linking the Vikings the other day to Hayward. Sure. Now, hey, if Casey Hayward is still on the market two, three, four weeks from now, maybe that can change. But I was told no on Hayward. I was told that they have verbalized to Mackenzie Alexander's representation that there is not interest there in a re-signing. But again, if he's still out there in a month or something like that, they can get him back at a cheap one-year deal, maybe. But as of now, no interest in in retaining Mackenzie Alexander. But yeah, I don't know how you solve the cornerback position. I mean, more likely, I'm throwing out the possibility of drafting the Iowa center at 12. Yeah, which I'm down for that. Is it the more likely scenario that they're mm-hmm. going to take a cornerback at pick 12? I mean, I any of these things, I wouldn't if if they drafted the if they drafted the Iowa center, if they drafted one of the top two or three cornerbacks, uh, you know, there are some edge rushers. I'm in on all these. Well, I'm in on all I'll these. I'll tell you this but, much. I'm in on Malik Willis. Maybe it's recency bias, me, but well, not anymore from the combine. Not anymore. Well, I'm just telling you. So now it's a waste. It's a waste. It of would a be a waste. Now. At this point, it would be a waste. Uh, it's, it's crazy to I'm say. I'm telling you, a I'm waste. a Malik Willis fan. So, uh, <laughs> Me too. And I'm not claiming to be a Malik Willis expert. I, I have not watched one full Liberty game. Because, okay? like, so but like, the reason I say it's very much recency bias, but I would have been okay drafting Willis at Big 12. And the reason I say it's a waste of a pick is not because, like, he might turn out to be, you know, an MVP in three years, but part of the reason why you draft a, a quarterback in the first round is so you can get five years of paying him nothing. And, and right now, like, Kirk Cousins would get to decide who's the quarterback through 2023. So you'd be halfway through Malik Willis's contract before you would take a look at him, unless you're willing to, you know, let's say you draft him and uh, and you decide, all right, Kirk, we're going to try and trade you before 2023. And he says, no, I have a no trade clause. Screw you guys. So that I mean, I guess you can make it awkward, but <laughs> you've committed. You, you've committed at this point. so Yeah, you know. gave him the hammer once again. <laughs> I know. You had the hammer on the trade <laughs> side of things, and now he's got the hammer again, so right, weird. with the no trade power. God. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree that, that it seems unlikely they would take a quarterback in the first round after after the news from Sunday with the new Cousins, you know, contract, uh, you know, with, with, you know, him under contract through 23, the two voidable years thereafter, so kicking the can down the road. But I think cornerback is probably the most likely – position they take in the first round yeah. I just was throwing out the scenario though because I get it the interior of the offensive line is still a dumpster fire at least at a couple positions I do like Ezra Cleveland but like something needs to happen there and you know by by all accounts this Iowa center is the real deal yeah so um all right let's uh just a couple minutes here of, of what do you got for twins the twins are the twins have been wheeling and dealing Sonny Gray they cleared out Josh Donaldson. I like Gio Urshela, personally. And uh, there's been a bunch of rumblings that they're not done yet. So, uh, what uh, what are you hearing? 
All right, well, let's go back to last weekend. So the Yankees are talking to the Rangers about Kiner Falefa. The Twins are talking to the Rangers about him. It's pretty clear the Yankees put Gary Sanchez on the table. Texas was looking for a catcher. It wasn't a tough decision for Texas to say we prefer Garver over Sanchez. So the Twins land Kiner Falefa. When they land him, Phil, they had every intention. I've had this told to me by multiple people. They had every intention of him being their everyday shortstop. They found their new starting shortstop. But then the Yankees call, and the Yankees throw out the idea of, we will take all of Josh Donaldson's contract. Never in a million years did the Twins think that they could shed that entire contract. They always thought, okay, yeah, we can move him, but we need to eat $15 million or you know somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. The Yankees agree to take the entire contract. At that point, the Twins are like, okay, like how do we turn that down? 36 years old. Yeah, Donaldson was good at times last year, but the body breaks down. Like how can we trust him to stay in the field? We can't pay him all this money, this, this many millions of dollars for the next two years. Yeah. Okay, New York, you want that Donaldson contract? By all means, yeah, it's going to be un- uncomfortable parting with Kiner Falafa, but we'll do it. So now the Twins are in the market for a shortstop. We know that uh, they've been in daily contact with Trevor Story's representation. Uh, but I was told yesterday that just, just that market just, is what, just Are they just slowly. leaving voicemails? Is it, is it like a is it like swinger? Trevor Story's representation. Yeah. But I, hey, I think uh, my, 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 my message might have got cut off. I'm uh, just calling you back. I know, but <laughs> here's how I describe the, the Story situation, though. So now the Red Sox swing and miss on Freddie Freeman. So there's some Red Sox interest, but he'd have to play second base in Boston. He wants to play shortstop. Yep. The Astros are trying again on Correa. But if Correa goes somewhere else, then do the Astros make Trevor Story a really nice offer? So he's comfortable waiting for at least a little bit longer. But the Twins remain in constant contact. I can tell you on the pitching front, As of last night, they had not made Michael Pineda or Johnny Cueto an offer. Maybe that changed late last night or this morning. They did make Zach Greinke an offer. And I tweeted yesterday that the Twins made a strong push. Of course, in my mentions, I had about 30 people, if not more, say, same old Twins, make a push, finish runner-up, or don't (laughs) get the guy. And fair on some guys. I would not use Granky as an example on that. When you look at Zach Granky's history of social anxiety, his depression battles, comfort matters to Zach. And his smart agent, Casey Close, is well aware of that, that putting Zach back in an environment that he is comfortable with, Kansas City, there are still people with the Royals that were there when Granky was there years ago, that this wasn't about money. Zach Granky has made how much money in his career. $300 million. $300 million. Okay. So (laughs) 99.9% of the time, money talks loudest. In the case of Zach Cranky, it was not about money. The Twins offer was right there with the Royals, maybe a little bit below 13 million, but the Twins were willing to pay Zach Cranky a lot of money for this year. This was a situation where Cranky, his representation said he would be much more comfortable in Kansas City than in Minnesota. But do know the Twins tried hard on Zach Greinke. They are maintaining dialogue with the Oakland A's. My sense is they prefer uh, 
the guy, the the right-handed pitcher, Frankie Montes, mm-hmm. who's got two years of team control versus he's, he's Sean Manaya, who's got the one year of team control. Montes is going to cost you. I mean, that might I don't know if it's Royce Lewis, but it it's you know, you're you're not going to land that dude two years two years of him for anything less than like a top six or seven organizational prospect. Well, but and more. You've got Austin Martin, right? So mm-hmm. do you need yeah. Martin and Lewis? So would you be willing to part with one of those? Mm-hmm. You have a bunch of outfielders too, right? Like, do you need all those young outfielders? Like, could you part with, you know, I don't think they want Kepler, but would you part with Larnick? You know, because you do have Kepler under team yes. control for multiple more years, right? Kirloff can play outfield if need be. I think he's better off at first base, but you can put him in the outfield. So, like, you could move Larnick if, if Oakland was tempted by that. Yeah. Good stuff. Wow, that's a great start to the Reckless. I think the oh, Reckless yeah. Speculation League year also started today. Just so everyone knows. Oh, this week is absolutely fantastic. I so, love this week. Oh, it is. There's so much stuff going on. Like, we didn't even get into Michael Pierce. Like, they went to Pierce and said, we'll lop off a yeah. year of your contract, 2023, so you can hit uh, unrestricted free agency one year from now. We won't have you under control for 2023. But, like... He was reluctant to agree to that, thinking, okay, so we're moving to a 3-4 base. Like, Mm -hmm. how exactly do I fit into that? Okay, I can fit in, but what about the people around me? Will I be able to shine with those around me? Like, I don't know if I like this. So I would rather choose unrestricted free agency now than a year from now, even though, you know, he entered unrestricted free agency, what, 24 hours into the thing. So some teams already gobbled up some interior defensive linemen, but the Vikings did make a push to retain Michael Pierce. He was the one who said, please release me. Yeah. Dukes, great stuff. Great Thanks, stuff. Dougie. You are on and your A game as always. Yeah, tell. and the Vikings did not make an attempt. I was texting with Tyler Conklin this morning. Uh, the Vikings did not make any attempt to retain Tyler Conklin. Okay. Mm. Gronklin, nice little $7 million a year paycheck for him. Good for that guy, man. Seems like a he's a good player, good guy. So, all right, Doogie, find him on 5 Eyewitness News, the Scoop podcast. We'll see you next week. Okay, sounds good, boys. See ya. All right, Hi, Darren. Real quick here, boys, uh, a couple things. This amazing session of Reckless Speculation presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They have been helping business owners for over 100 years. Just a great culture there. You talk about collaboration and culture. Oh, yeah. Purple. Um, you know, they make sure that... Their representatives at Federated aren't just, you know, going in blind here. They go through several months of training in Owatonna before they get assigned to regional offices throughout the country, specializing in core industries that they know and understand front and back rather than trying to sell as many policies as possible. They specialize in your industries. You can find a full list at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Now, um, no, Judd, I, I, Judd just hit me up via text, and let's talk about it right now real quick, and then we'll get to some Timberwolves stuff. Oh, sure. So while we were doing the uh, scoop session, the Browns were informed by Deshaun Watson's camp, hey, you guys are out, sorry. Mm-hmm. So now they have to go back and clean up this Baker Mayfield mess, Baker sending out that Instagram post. I don't think they're going to. I, I think they're done with them. Now they have said the word coming out now, and they have to do yeah. this to just to yeah. like save face and value is that Baker yes. is the they are committed now to Baker Mayfield, yeah. et cetera. And we've fielded some questions from Vikings fans. Well, hey, I mean the, the Browns and Vikings were engaged in discussions. Couldn't you just go? I know that Kirk signed a contract, but couldn't you go back and say, hey, you, you can get Kirk for two years? We just signed yeah. him. Maybe he'll waive the no trade clause to go back and play with Kevin Stefanski. Well, 
it's not going to happen. I'm looking up the contract details here. The way that they've structured this Cousins contract by loading, there's, you know, the Vikings are on the hook, however, however it's arranged. We don't need to get into how sausage is made. The Vikings, I believe, would be on the hook for $80 million in dead cap for 2020. Like, you wouldn't. Yeah, you'd be, you wouldn't be saving any money at this point because you just locked in. Yeah, and even for next year, they'd be yeah. on the hook for almost fifty million dollars in dead yeah. cap. You'd be killing yourself. You wouldn't do this. And he has a no trade clause, so you have committed yeah. full on to two more years of cousins. Yeah. There's no discussion oh. about a trade anymore. Two more years. Two more years. Yeah, this this is because uh, I I got that note last night and then a couple more times today, and and it's a logical like question. You know, hey, Kirk, you can play for Stefanski. You love him, right? But uh, I went to over the cap then and put in what you just did, Phil, and realized yep. it is a what we, what we like to call a non-starter in the game. Yeah, and, and with all of these, you know, it's funny how life comes at you fast in the NFL because when he restructured 72 hours ago, and, and even we were kind of saying this, okay, well, at least it, you know, it's not what we would do, but it helps the Vikings – get some cap relief it lowered his cap at 14 million dollars for 2022 and it helps the team well Mm -hmm. you can't just evaluate the vikings in a vacuum and what they're doing it has to be relative to the other 31 teams they're competing against and all of those teams also have the power to restructure contracts and clear space and everything right right so now that other teams have done restructures and wentz was traded and rogers and russell wilson was traded and his cap hits lower now with the broncos etc Right, Kirk Cousins, as of right now, has the fifth highest cap hit of any player in the NFL, even after the restructure. Yep, and that's I'm assuming that when Deshaun Watson gets traded, probably to the Saints today, they're going to redo his deal, so he's going to go from forty down to whatever, mm-hmm. and they've cleared a bunch of space. Mm-hmm. Matt Ryan is probably next, so by the time it's all said and done, mm-hmm. there's a good chance Cousins, even after the restructure, will still have one of the three or four highest cap hits of any player in the NFL this year. Yep. Yep, and also um, let's keep keep in mind that before we get too excited about the fact that I believe they freed up approximately six mil by restructuring uh, Harrison Smith's contract. It was interesting, and it's semantics, but it's very important. It was interesting yesterday that in the press release announcing the, the agreements that have been reached, it doesn't say signed yet because those guys weren't signed yet. They actually had to, I think, do the Smith restructure to sign the guys that they announced that they yeah. had quote unquote agreed to terms with. Mm-hmm. So like, that's not a bunch of, Oh, extra money. Now that can they do something that literally is before they hold the press uh, conference today, at which they're going to introduce Jordan Hicks and Phillips. That is so that those guys can even sign their contracts. Yeah. So like this does yeah. not, there's not like an, a lot of extra now or a potential uh, just flat out six mil fl- floating around. It's still, it's still, I would say, nip and tuck as far as the salary cap goes. Yeah. So right, we continue to to watch and wait and see on some of these big Vikings decisions. They've dabbled in free agency, but uh, there's, I think the Daniil Hunter thing is probably the elephant in the room that they're trying to shove out the door I just, one way or another. I don't understand from both sides how we are into the free agency period now, second official day. And like, this is a problem again. It's crazy. Like, how was this not resolved? And, and quite frankly, Phil, so the Hunter camp agreed to the contract, if I'm not mistaken, last spring, right? 
they they were ticked off. They didn't like the contract. He was supposedly, possibly, uh, or not possibly, he had basically said, I'm not going to show up for your off-season camps unless I've got a new contract. 11th hour going into those camps, it got done or eventually got done. Okay, it's done. Now you're telling me, as free agency starts now, it's basically the same problem? That's yeah, not it's excusable. Hard. It's, like, it's that's hard, a terrible... Yeah. That's terrible from both sides. Like, figure it out. Well, it's different. It's different people that are making these decisions now on the Viking side. So it's a, it's a, it's the same problem, but for new people looking at the problem. But right, obviously, but it's dragging on. I, I guess my point is, the Hunter Camp always intended to make this a problem again. And this whole thing of well, just convert the the roster bonus to a signing bonus and smooth things out. Clearly, there's something we don't know because that's the common sense move, and it's not it, it's not been made. So anyway, just frustrating yeah. to watch this whole thing unfold. Reckless speculation. All right, let's uh, let's take a breather here real quick and talk about the Wolves putting an old Lakers team out to pasture last night, glorious fashion. Mackie and Judd. We fell victim to holding and wanting to isolate and orchestrate and all the things that um, you know take us out of rhythm. And twenty-two assists is you know on one hundred and twenty-four points is, is is not not enough for our our team the way we like to play so but you know we shot the ball well um but we i guess it was in the third period just way 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 too many contested shots just i love finch salty after that one the wolves yeah, i got a little dicey there for a minute but the wolves put an old decrepit oh, declining lakers team out to pasture last night and you got to write that down point. Freaking glorious. Yeah, I said they would take a 25-point lead at some point. Yep. In the game. Congratulations. How did you guys feel about the incessant, and might I say magnificent, clapping at the Lakers? Pat Bev, when when Russell Westbrook, wide open in the corner, fires an air ball three, and they were leaving him open all night. Pat Bev was just, like, exaggerating, sinking back into the paint, yes. letting him shoot. Yeah, and uh, Carl Anthony stink? Towns does the like, "Where's the wind coming from?" And then Pat Bev goes to hand the ball to the official and like acts like he's getting out of the way of him, <laughs> like a it's... bomb or something. Hold on a second here. Before we do anything, it's time we got to get the flag. There it is. There it is. Eleven yeah. games over. That's right. Yes. So they are uh, they are twenty five and ten. Yeah. Since the first of the year, I believe I saw, yep. and that is the, the the best thirty-five game stretch that they've played since the two thousand three two thousand four Timberwolves. So I would say this about the clowning of of a team that has several guys that were definite star players, and in some cases, superstar players. It might bother me in some cases, but this franchise has been down for so long. And here's the thing with Pat Bev. He's going to be Pat Bev. Like, he's not suddenly become a jerk. He is a jerk, which is what makes him Pat Bev, which is what's helped this team. And, and you know, Ant postgame, dropping the word swag like 30 times, and now Cat's got swag because I've got swag because Bev's got swag. Um, I'm enjoying it. Dude, it I, is. I'm enjoying it because – you know, people like you, Phil, have watched this woebegone terrible franchise for how long now? And it's just been a complete joke, rudderless. Um, I am enjoying seeing this team be good and snarky. And here's where I think I'm enjoying it more. 
I think I'm enjoying it more because to go back to the playoff year with Tibbs, that was so joyless, but it should have been fun. Yeah. And like the whole Butler thing should have been great fun. And it was for a while. And then it just got like, oh boy, this isn't working. Um, this feels like a team that is in it together. So like Pat Bev is not clowning Westbrook and the rest of the team's like, oh, you shouldn't be. It feels like it's a team and it's fun to watch. I'm not going to lie. I think it's fun. It is. It is a religious experience to watch these guys clap that team. It's, it's so great. <laughs> and, and they shouldn't have to apologize. They've been getting and a lot of it's self-inflicted. Almost all of it is self-inflicted yeah. over the past 17 years. Yep. They've been getting clowned on and this is their moment. They are legitimately emerging into one of the better teams. They're not like Suns good, but or Warriors at full strength good, but they're emerging. They are for sure one of the six or seven best teams in the Western Conference right now, and they can beat anyone on any given night. They have a really tough stretch of games coming up here. But at the end of that game, when they reclaimed a 20-point lead and they they started to pull away again, and, and you got Mark Laurie and all those dudes in the front row taking their shoes off and holding them up in the air as the crowd goes crazy, and I was wondering because he did that on the road a few nights ago too, behind the Wolves bench. He's he's you know he's yelling at Cat after he hit sixty points, and he's holding his shoes up. Like, what does that mean? Yep. And and that's what NBA. You know, some of these players when they check out, like you know, ten minutes to go in the fourth of a blowout game, they'll take their shoes off on the bench because the game's over, just like to ice their knees and sure. to you know get work done. So I I love that that's become a thing now in the front well, so row at Target Center. They're t- they when the game when it's over when the game is over you know they're up by oh. fifteen with three minutes to go. Take your shoes off and hold them up in the air. Oh, that could lead it's, to some, dude, sm- some smelly feet, but yeah, that's, that's okay. Funny. Get the flag anyways. If you're playing the song, that's great. Got the pennant just in time. And then after the game, Pat Beverly, who is, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is the MVP of this team, but Pat Beverly might as well be a co-MVP of this team. He is the, I think he is the sort of emotional compass. The the he is the, you know. D'Angelo Russell has been a great leader and a straw that stirs the drink, but Pat Bev has just brought this full-on right confidence, right? Absolutely, yeah. If you guys are at all unsure of yourselves, don't be. Right. I'm here. Here's why. <laughs> right. And he spoke at length after the game last night about his experience with Carl Anthony Towns, and he said he was told by a lot of people around the league, ah, you got to watch out for this guy. You know, he's he's kind of a powder, and he's kind of insecure, and – and Pat Bev said that his experience with Towns has been the exact opposite of what he was told by others beforehand. Mm-hmm. He said he thought his biggest task coming in would be to help Carl Anthony Towns this season, and it's been the exact opposite. It's been far from it. Quote, he's a very, very special player. My job is to continue to preach to him how dominant he's supposed to be every night. He's the engine of this team, and we can only go as far as he can take us, and he heaped even more praise upon him. And then, like you said, Anthony Edwards after the game was asked, you know, what is, you know, what do you think the difference is? You know, you weren't here before this, but it's, and he kept, he said the word swag about a hundred times. Swag out, man. But it's true. I mean, how often have you ever seen the Wolves that cocky against a LeBron James team or a Russell Westbrook team when they know that they're putting, you know, the proverbial uh, nail in the coffin? It was just beautiful. And Beverly's an interesting guy because... I'm sure his opponents hate him like he is a despicable opponent. But yes. what's interesting is, and this is the difference like between a Beverly and Butler. Beverly seems like, and I'm I'm totally outside here, so I'm guessing, but he seems like a great teammate, not a good one. 
Like the confidence that he's instilled and and the swag and, and cockiness seems to be a club. Like with Butler, it was, I'm cocky. I got swag. And yeah. if you do too, that's cool. But yeah. if you don't, that's cool too, because I do. Beverly seems to be inclusive. And so like it empowers Ant more. Ant is way more cocky now, which is which is fun to watch. Yeah. Um, but I think Ant is a positive good kid. But now it's like he, he's got his dad there, right? Like Bev's like, yeah, go, go, go to town, Ant. And then that empowers Cat. And like that's the interesting dynamic, I think. We are just seeing this roster. It filters down. Yeah. I, uh, I know we've talked on this show before about Phil Jackson's Five Stages of Tribal Leadership. One of my favorite books. It's actually right here. Eleven Rings. I'll show it to the YouTube audience right here. So if you guys, if you're sports fans, NBA fans, this is a detailed breakdown of Phil Jack- every championship Phil Jackson ever won in his own voice, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And he talks a lot. He talks a lot about you know because he's very much into meditation. I think he's Buddhist at heart, so he's very much into self reflection, meditation, self improvement. And he talks about the five stages of tribal leadership that, that that a team has to go through to be great. And stage one is that no one believes that greatness can be achieved. Nobody believes in cohesion. It's just like no one even wants to try. <laughs> right. Um, I'm trying to think of teams right now that are sort of like that. I mean, the, honestly, the Lakers kind of feel like that, <laughs> where it's just like, who cares? I guess we'll show some pride for five minutes. But the 2012 Twins bleak. really fall in, in that one. Yeah, where it's like, just let's like, go and party. No, no one cares. Uh, stage two teams have a cynical view toward improvement. They complain but offer no solutions. They generally behave in a reactive manner and try to dodge responsibility while they perceive themselves as victims. So, like, there's some emotion, but it's mostly just, like, you know, insecure and right. we're victims. It's not going to work. And that. Yep. Right. Stage three is, and this accounts for about 50% of teams, he says. It's team members compete against each other. So there's some pride. And and teams can achieve some greatness if there's enough great individual parts. I think stage three sort of explains the Jimmy Butler, Tom Thibodeau Timberwolves, where yeah. there was talent, there was definitely emotions, and, and there's trying, but it wasn't us against them. It's just sort of me, Jimmy Butler, against Cat or Andrew <laughs> Wiggins, this, right? Jim, Tom Thibodeau against the young players. Stage four is the we're great and they're not stage, which is, okay, we believe that we're great. And we believe that we're better than opposing teams, and it's it's coming from a place of sort of rising through the ranks. Like I think night. that's I think that's where the Timberwolves are at. Yeah, that's like where last night's game. And, he, and, and Phil Jackson says twenty two percent of teams enter this zone of we're great and they're not proud of their team. The members compete against the other tribes, not with each other. And stage four teams display a strong uh, adversity, especially when they have gone through some tough challenges. Like I think the Wolves are emerging into step four. Mm-hmm. Step five is the magic stage where you see like the mid nineties bulls, the warriors from a few years ago, rarely do teams reach stage five at this level. The team's mantra is life is great. It's a highly evolved team that removes all ego from the equation. No need to compete against themselves or even other teams. They just do what they do with joy and they beat everybody. Yeah, that's interesting. That's it. So I, I would say stage five, which is probably incredibly hard to reach. And most teams don't. I would say stage five, if if the Wolves, don't laugh at me, were to ever get there, is prob- probably without Beverly. 
where there's a realization where like cat fulfills everything right Be- because and edwards seems like the centerpiece yeah. of a stage five sure. team, right like like steph but, curry joyful and but like yeah. like if i'm if i'm finchy my hope is that what what bev is doing lasts and teaches them right yeah so so like it's great and it's fun but you know one he's old two he, he's hurt quite a, a bit so the reality is he's not going to probably be with with this team for more than a couple of years so yeah i think stage five would be that uh, um carl anthony towns and ant emerge completely and fulfill both on and off the court all of the promise Stage five teams strive solely to carve out their own path of greatness. They work solely for the innocent wonderment of discovery and accomplishment. Stage five members are focused on helping each other and playing unselfishly as a team to achieve their mission. <laughs> Ain't many stage five teams. But soon. Oh, boy. You got to tell me. You got to give me a heads up. You got to give me a heads up. I got to go get the flag. Get the flag. Get the flag. Get the flag. Yeah, that is, I think, last night was just a perfect example of the biggest difference between the 2018 or 17 Jimmy Butler, Tom Thibodeau playoff team and this team, which is, that was a that was, that was a joyless experience that was just being dragged through an 82-game schedule, and they were right. talented enough and disciplined enough and browbeaten enough you know, Tom Thibodeau just howling and screaming, you know, switch the whole game. But it was joyless and not sustainable. And now you've got coaches and veterans who are actually leading and empowering the young players. And yeah, um, well, it's and just a coach a different who, feeling, man. And a coach who coaches without yelling. Like, Finchie sets a really good tone. And, and he allows guys to lead. I mean, Tibbs literally would you know spend the entire game barking he would just be up the whole game barking and and finch i think gets mad and frustrated but he's trying to coach so i think there's a big difference i gotta think playing for tibbs as as we continue now to to see after the knicks were so good last season i gotta think playing for tibbs is in and of itself a joyless experience right like it looks like it sucks uh yeah like, there's just no... Have you I mean, met anyone besides Derrick Rose and Taj Gibson who would argue that? <laughs> yeah, and you know what? No. I think Taj I think Taj is, if you were to, to put Taj Gibson from the time that he was here on this r- roster now with his skills, which weren't great, but, I mean, he, he did work his ass off. I think he'd fit in perfect here I'd right still now. I'd Mando. I'd still take Vando. Oh, yeah, but I'm just Vando saying Vando is like a younger, more versatile version of Taj. I think Taj is a victim of all, all I know is Tibbs. And it's worked very to... well for him. It's made him a, a very yeah. rich man. But Finch, um, man, he's my favorite. He's my favorite. The standings him. right now, the the Wolves, as we sit here and, and talk on Mackie and Judd here today, they are a game and a half back of the Nuggets from the uh, sixth seed. And they are three games back of both Dallas and Utah, who are tied for the fourth and, and fifth seeds. They have in their last eleven games, they have two games against Dallas. In the basically in the next week, they have two games against Dallas, and then they play Denver in a couple weeks. And they got the Bucks on Saturday at home, right? Yep, at Target Center. 
and then Phoenix next week. I mean, it's it's yeah. Bucks, hey. Dallas, Phoenix, Dallas, Boston, Toronto, Denver. It is you know probably what? the toughest seven game stretch of their entire season. Time to put the hard hats on. Time to put those Let's hard hats it, on and get to work. <laughs> By the way, one more thing on this. We'll get to some old tweets exposed here too. So Russell Westbrook after the game, he was asked about the trash talking. You know, hey, you you shot an air ball there, and they clowned you. It was kind of funny actually. And Russell Westbrook, who's just become this defiant, like defensive, he's kind of the the Baker Mayfield attitude, right, in the NBA. And he said, their trash talking doesn't bother me. Nobody over there has ever done anything in this league. I know that Russell Westbrook has put up a bunch of triple doubles in his career, and I think he's run into a couple scoring titles and like won what I think is kind of a, a fake MVP. But what has he really ever accomplished in this league to have that attitude? He's no. never won a title, other than like that. being a stat hoarding Tasmanian devil yeah. everywhere he's been. You know what? Blah, 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 blah. We about I I feel empathy for that that guy though. I mean, do it you? Is so uh, yeah, it's so ugly. you do. It's yeah, dude. I he's feel... had fifteen years to to figure out a three point shot. No, I know, but I mean, this year has been just. It's been. I mean, it it's a disaster. His I don't family, feel bad for him at all. His yeah, family is being attacked on Twitter. They're, be, they're being booed. I have never cared about family anyone's families. Who is this Judd Zolgad? What's going on? I feel bad for him. I just feel bad for him. I'm sorry. Dude, he said, it's my in, old age. In his, in his career, he's been teammates with Kevin Durant, James yeah. Harden twice, yeah, LeBron Durant. James, Paul George, Bradley Beal. He can't sniff a title I know. because his stats I'm are I'm not fake. excusing his lack of success. I'm saying... I feel bad for him because it's so pathetic. He's basically at the Zolgadian point of, dude, retire. It's time. It's time. Like, but Le- I mean, Le- I feel Le- LeBron still has it. By the way, the bad. guy I feel well, I was gonna say I feel bad for LeBron, but he's the one that demanded that they make these yeah, dumb Le- moves in the offseason. They could have the roster. They could have Buddy Heald shooting threes out on the wing, and instead they have Russell Westbrook. Teams leaving him wide open to shoot air balls with three mm-hmm. minutes left in the fourth quarter. And get all right, guy. Patrick yeah, go your all your individual accomplishments that have nothing to do with team success. Which Beverly clowned him on Twitter after the game and said, you know, I've been to. You know, I've been to the playoffs every year in my career. I've been to Western Conference Finals just like you. I've been, uh, you know, whatever. All team defense. I know it's weird. It's, I just te- feel, it's about team, not individual. I almost feel bad for him. It's so pathetic. I know it's odd. I, know I don't it's know odd. who okay. you are anymore. I don't. Sometimes I don't know. Clearly. Mm. Okay. I feel a little bad for him. I'm just being. I'm being honest. Well, this uh, this odd moment of Judd Zolgad. Empathy is presented by our friends at Mayo Clinic Square. Maybe so Mayo Clinic is accepting new patients in Rochester and now in Minneapolis. They'll see men of all ages for any sort of male-driven issue, whether it's prostate, urinary, infertility. They'll do cancer screenings and cancer treatment. Request an appointment at menshealth.mayoclinic.org, menshealth.mayoclinic.org. All right, every week, Declan goes into the archives and embarrasses us by digging up old tweets mm-hmm. and clips. So mm-hmm. what do you have for us this time around? We're going to start with Judd, because Judd has a wild take I want to bring to the forefront, almost uh, to the year to the date. Uh, and then nice. Phil and I have a handcuffed take uh, from about 10, 11 years ago. It needs to be worth exposing. Start oh, with Judd, boy. though. April 23rd, 2021. It's incredible watching the stability of Talbot after two seasons watching the <laughs> adventures of Doobie. So yeah, stable. One. So stable. I'll take that one, yeah. It's wrong now, but I mean, I was so, I am, you know what? 
every time I go to a, a game now, I still thank the good Lord that I don't have to hear <laughs> doobs after every single time the puck is stopped, including just like a routine save. I'll take Talbot every time because there's no cam. Is stable the word that you would use to describe Not right Cam now. Talbot? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a year ago, I thought, I thought he was, but yeah, no, that uh, that is, I'm not embarrassed by that tweet, but it definitely is one that I would not type out again. Although, I would take every opportunity that I have to rip Devin Dubnik, so I won't back okay. off that. So that's a pretty good leader in the clubhouse there. Yep, I'll take that. Pretty good one. Take it. All right. Actually, I want to expose two tweets from phil Mackey here they both kind of go hand no, in hand no. i usually don't do this whoa, but but i i didn't want to i want to combine so embarrassing want to combine them take one from phil Mackey, march 2nd 2011 luke hughes just jacked one if he can stay healthy he'll definitely contribute for the big oh. league squad this year that's not incriminating can definitely contribute i didn't say be like a star what did he do in 2000 okay go let's yeah let's let's look and let, let's see what, 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 was, what was the Royce, level of contributing though co-host. he did <laughs> to a 99 lost twins team oh let's see here all right luke hughes 2011 twins okay yeah he hit seven home runs oh. and drove in 30 mm-hmm. you know he, i want to see know, the hand i want to see the back-to-back one i'm expecting a he batted two twenty three, so that wasn't very good. No, but he definitely he contributed to the Twins. Uh huh. I didn't say how well he would contribute. Yeah. I just said and he would Cam contribute Talbot to the Twins. Cam Talbot was steady the night that I tweeted. This that. holds up. This holds up. He'll contribute. Yeah. Okay. Let's see the set. Let's see the back end. I, I don't think that rises up to Judd's level. All right. Let's go to uh, take two here from Phil Mackey on Luke Hughes, March six, two thousand eleven. Luke Hughes is on fire. Another uh, RBI single. No, Forget the him. 25-man roster. Him. Sign him to a long-term extension. Mate. Jacqueline set you up. Mate. Mate. <laughs> Jacqueline set you up. Okay, this was clearly satire. He had not yet Mate. emerged as a big league player. So clearly oh, some, oh, tongue in, uh, some tongue-in-cheek uh, here. Oh, the this is we still don't, a minor leaguer. We don't try and read right? satire or sarcasm. Mate. <laughs> uh, by, the, by the way, Luke Hughes... I think he might still be playing. No, nah, he's done now. He, it, last year was his last year. He was still playing for the Australian Professional Baseball League. The Hammond. As, uh, as of 2020. Man, he he was a couple of years ago, 2019. He batted 309. Oh, he batted 330 the year before wow. that in the Australian League, playing for Perth and Melbourne. I feel like you're trying to deflect him. from that last tweet that we should be talking about. I don't think more. he was given a fair chance in the majors, quite uh-huh. frankly. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. All right, let's see what Declan has. All right, I also have a Luke Hughes take on my Facebook status I found yesterday. March 6, 2011, Luke Hughes better make this <laughs> Twins roster. So I, I was so right with you riding this uh, this man. Luke Hughes Kool-Aid train night. You're probably no, piggybacking. Was... All right, all right. I think, Phil I, I think it's sort of a – it's almost like a lifetime Luke Hughes take achievement award that maybe Declan and I can be co, co-winners this week. You guys do what you got to do. Luke Hughes love – it's amazing. All right, we gotta we, we gotta, gotta go, go and gotta get to Purple go. Daily here. So check us out. Please click subscribe on the Score North and Purple Daily YouTube channels as we make our way toward forty thousand subscribers here in the next month or so. Thank you guys, and uh, we'll keep an eye on Vikings free agency. It's been cricket so far, but we'll keep you posted. The South Dakota Stories, Volume Two. I could see beyond the Black Hills and the way they called for exploration. I could feel the air. The way it paints against skin, 
and Phil's hungry lungs. I could hear the way the water ran for miles and the way the bison grazed, the way our boots meet the earth as we step past expected. I could imagine my time in South Dakota, and I wish to go back, because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.